Serious, what is the scariest, most bone-chilling moment you have ever witnessed or have been told in your life? Please like and subscribe to support us. I was watching this as an interested neighbor. A tree fell in my neighbor's yard down a steep hill. It was a huge tree 5 feet wide x 70 feet tall. Crane was pulling up on a piece of it while a grunt worker was chainsawing the piece being pulled by the crane to separate it. The crane cable tension was tight on the piece he was cutting, so when the worker cut through enough of it, the cable ripped half of it up the hill, and the worker's chainsaw went straight up into his head. I'll never forget him trying to walk a few steps and pull it out before he fell over dead with the saw still humming away. This happened a month ago when I picked up my sister from a party. I was driving home, and along the way, I saw this black car doing 15 miles per hour, flashing brake lights, turning on the left indicator signal but making a right. Impatiently decide to illegally cut him off and just go home. But after I did it, he began to speed up and flash his fog lights, signaling me to pull over. I just kept driving out being crept out. My house was a couple of miles away with a lot of turns, but this guy kept tailgating me and pursuing me, which was getting pretty scary. I literally drive 50 miles in the radius of maybe 10 miles trying to get him off me. I finally made a left turn where he couldn't follow or risk hitting another car. I quickly pulled over and turned off all my lights, only to see the car slowly drive by as I hold my breath, hoping he doesn't spot me. After about 15 minutes, I look around and slowly drive home. My sister was drunk and asleep, so she basically didn't even know what happened. Scariest moment? Nodding off behind the wheel. Just finished working 14 hours. The only thing that saved me was the car who laid on their horn as I cut them off. Saved me from running straight into a barricade. Creepiest moment? Watching my parents take their last breaths, death rattle slash wheeze, in the hospital after fighting small cell lung cancer, stage 4. This happened 5 years apart BTW. I have nightmares and chills because I can still hear slash imagine it. My group of friends liked to play this game we called Run. We would play late at night, starting around 1am, when the streets would be empty, our town is very small. We'd walk down to Main Street and stand around outside the post office or grocery store. We'd hang out, talking and bullshitting, until the local police officer drove by. We'd stand there just long enough for him to see us, and then we'd all scatter and run in different directions. The cop would chase us through town for the rest of the night. As long as we stopped, if he turned his lights slash siren on, we wouldn't get in any trouble. We did this all the time, and the cops seemed to enjoy the sport. Sometimes they would even get out of the car and pursue us on foot. It was exhilarating and so much fun. Anyways, one night we were playing this game until around 4am. The birds start singing, and the sky started turning grey, so we decided to head home. As we're walking along a road parallel to the main highway, we hear this huge boom. We thought a bomb had gone off. We ran as fast as we could to where the sound had come from. We get to the local auto parts store and see that a truck had plowed right into the side of it. There weren't any police or emergency services there yet, and this was before cell phones, so one of my friends sprinted off to the nearest house to call 911 while the rest of us cautiously approached the vehicle to see if the driver was okay. I can't even describe what we saw. It was like the bottom part of this guy stayed sitting in the driver's seat, but his top half had just sort of shifted over to the passenger side. He was in two pieces. I remember thinking how weird it seemed because it all looked so normal. I mean, not normal, obviously, but in movies, blood and guts seems a little surreal and stylized, and this was just. His mangled body was just sitting there. I'm not sure why it shocked me so much, it's not as if ominous music and mood lighting appear around every dead body IRL. A few seconds later, the tribal police from a casino 40 minutes away pulled up with their sirens blaring. A few minutes after that, 
the police, ambulances, and fire departments start to arrive. Apparently, this guy had stolen some money from the casino. The tribal police had been chasing him, but he ended up getting ahead of them. It had been raining, and there was a decent curve in the road by the auto parts store, and this guy had drifted over the curb and slammed sideways into the building. The really disturbing part was how the entire freaking town came out to gawk at the accident. It took them hours to get the guy's body out of the vehicle. People were camped out on every lawn and sidewalk, trying to catch a glimpse of the body. At one point, a few volunteers grabbed a bunch of sheets and tarps to hold up around the scene, and then people started going up on rooftops so they could see from above. This guy had died in a really horrific and brutal way, and all people cared about was seeing his corpse. I once witnessed the aftermath of a bar fight. One small drunk guy kept pushing a large sober guy for no apparent reason. A large guy knocked him out with one punch, but from what I heard, it was a vicious punch. I found the man lying between two pool tables, he had hit his head pretty bad when he fell back, it was bleeding. He was completely out, wouldn't respond to any of my attempts to wake him up as we waited on the ambulance. The way he was breathing was the most disturbing thing I had ever seen. His body was on survival mode to keep his lungs pumping air. It was hard forceful breathing, blood pouring from his mouth because several of his teeth had been knocked out. When EMS finally came and took him away, I couldn't even look at him any longer, just to see someone in such a helpless state. The poor man even pissed himself. I found out later he had to be life-flighted to a larger hospital because he had bleeding on the brain. But he has apparently recovered and still up to his old ways. I never want to see someone like that ever again. The scariest moment is when I had to come face to face with the scene where my brother committed suicide. Growing up, I have always had trust issues, so whenever a relative passed away, I was like, may, because I never allowed myself to become attached. However, this doesn't apply to my immediate family. They have my absolute trust and love. My brother committed suicide by drowning himself in the local lake, and when my family was notified, it has already been 4-5 to five hours. Yet when I arrived there, I was so scared and shaken up that I had to confirm several times that it wasn't a nightmare. Logic flew out the window as I proceeded to ask an officer, what are the chances of my brother being alive? Knowing that it's been hours since he jumped. I was 25 at the time too. I had to suck everything up and comfort my parents with false hope by saying this is probably BS. I will never forget that moment, where all logic just flew out the window. Victim of a severe road rage incident. I am a small 26 years old woman in a Mazda 3. At roughly 7 am in the winter on Mountain County back roads, a giant Ford 350 decides I'm going to slow. He starts accelerating, first like he's going to ram me, then at the last moment passes me illegally on a turn. He gets in front of me and then slams on his brakes. I slam on mine and narrowly miss hitting him. We are sitting there for a minute when he starts revving his engine. He goes into reverse and tries hitting my car. I'm screaming and go into reverse. We are now both driving down the mountain in reverse. I use my Bluetooth to call 911. They can't make anything out, I'm saying because I'm screaming. After about 100 yards of driving backward, he stops. I stop. Ike why? I start talking to the 911 operator. The man gets out of his car with a weapon and starts running towards me. I scream again. In the distance, a car is coming, and the man runs back into his truck and flees. I have never in my life been so scared. Never have I ever thought I was about to be murdered. It is not a feeling you can forget, but it's hard to explain. I was crying and shaking uncontrollably for the next six hours. I do not drive that road anymore. Being alone locked in my room in a mental hospital at the age of 12 after being read a horror story about a scarecrow named Harold. I don't know why but this story stuck with me for years afterward. I could not sleep for a week and a half after. 
Every night I would cry with my lights on, waiting desperately for the morning. Every night I could swear I could see Harold by my window, waiting to skin me and hold up my pelt and celebrate like in the story. My friend's cousin disappeared. That's it. She just disappeared one day without a trace. No signs, no clues, no piece of evidence that would lead them to the kidnapper of this young girl. She wasn't much older than her young teens if I remember right. That's what makes it scariest, in my opinion. It could have easily been my friend kidnapped. It could have easily been me. It could have been another girl in another town. It's been at least 10 years of nothing. Nobody, still no evidence. She's just. Gone. Edit for words and adding some stuff. This happened in Texas. Around 7 to 10 years ago, it never really made the news, as far as I know. I was told about the disappearance about 5 years ago, and my friend only mentioned her cousin a few times in passing after that. I don't want to reopen any wounds by asking my friend about it because they were practically sisters from how close they were. Apologies for not being able to provide more information. During Katrina, I lived just outside Jackson, Mississippi. My grandmother and cousin that lived on the coast had come up to stay with us. We figured we'd be fine since no hurricane had done very much that far north. The storm had picked up pretty bad, and we were in the carport looking at the pine trees across the street bend. We kept saying how they were about to fall. We went back inside, and I started to listen to music on my CD player pretty loud. Out of nowhere, I see something pink and foamy fall from the ceiling and land on my cousin's face. She screams louder than anyone I've ever heard before. I look to my dad and see him mouth, run. I get up, look behind me, and see a tree branch, not one foot behind where my head had just been, sticking through the window. The giant oak tree in our backyard had fallen on our house. The only reason I'm alive is that the tree was forked and fell in just the right way to wedge itself on our chimney. When I almost got kidnapped while walking home around 9 p.m. A white van, how fitting, slowly drove behind me, then stopped about 500 feet in front of me, then turned around. I sprinted in the opposite direction, then made as many turns as I could so that it'd be harder to follow me. They chased me about a block or two but quickly gave up. That didn't stop me from sprinting the rest of the way home and making sure to stay out of plain view by hiding behind trees while crossing the street if there were any parked cars that could possibly grab me from the sidewalk. Its capsule have just been a misunderstanding, and I may not have been in danger, but it still scares me to this day. Snowboarding in Colorado, we were doing laps of the terrain park, and one of the jumps was getting a bit big for the landing, hitting it quite slow, and you'd end up landing at the very bottom of the landing. My mate and I went over it, and I landed on the flats, flat area beyond the landing, and when we were on the lift on the way up, maybe 10 meters away from this jump, I pointed it out and said that we shouldn't hit that again because it wasn't safe. Not 5 seconds later, this skier comes flying down fast, hits the kicker with good speed, clears the landing, clears the flats and actually lands on the bottom of the next jump's kicker, for reference, this isn't small, maybe 10 to 15 meters or so kickers, 6 of them back to back, he literally lands on an almost perpendicular surface to his direction of movement. What followed was the loudest bone crunching snap, cleanly snapped femur, and this sickening, deathly loud, blood curdling scream. We watched from about 15 meters away, able to do absolutely nothing. By the time we got to the top, we notified ski patrol of the incident, and by the time we got to him, he was being helped by other terrain park enthusiasts, still screaming. There was one time my sister and I, we were waiting for the bus when suddenly a man from the other side of the road started shouting at us. He's dirty, dressed in rags, and he looked very unhinged and angry. There were cars passing by, but it didn't matter to him as he started dodging them, making his way towards us. Luckily, the bus arrived, 
and we got inside as soon as the door opened. We told the driver to close it immediately, and then the man arrived, started banging on the door. The driver got the drift, and we left. The last thing we saw of him, he was still shouting and running after the bus. Everything happened so fast, we were just in shock for a while. It was scary because we didn't know him, but for some reason, he just wanted to attack us. The scariest moment was probably when I almost fell asleep at the wheel as I was driving home from my ex's house. I'd pick her up from work on the weekend, and then we'd go out, but she'd usually have to be home around 2 to 3 a.m. This one night, I was already really tired because I had been up since 6 a.m., but I had to drive her home, or she'd be in trouble with the parents. I was struggling to stay awake on the drive, 20 minutes each way, but she was still awake, and she'd talk to me to keep me up. After I dropped her off, she told me to drive safely and to pull off if I can't make it home and to call her when I'm home safely. I'm about 10 minutes away from my house when it gets to the point where I'm only able to keep my eyes half open at best. I smack myself in the face a few times to wake myself up and continue the drive home since I'm so close. I'm sitting there occasionally smacking myself while driving home when I realize that I somehow ended up doing a really shitty parallel parking job on the main street. I had no recollection of driving to this street, it was several blocks past where I'd normally turn to go home, or how I even managed to park the car. It honestly scared the shit out of me, because I was so fatigued that I basically drove on autopilot mode at 3am with no other cars on the road. Not much memory of anything after I dropped off my ex. I decided right then and there that I'd just send her a quick text saying that I'm just going to take a nap in my car. I didn't wake up until 9am the next morning, and the only reason I was up was the police officer that knocked on my window to check on me. My mom put me on diet pills, which made me able to sleep only 1-3 to three hours slash day and survive on only one cup of clear, veggie soup the entire day. I decided to do this crazy non-stop studying binge where I only slept for 30 minutes, and I had nothing to eat except diet pills and Red Bull, I had an eating disorder, decided the Red Bull was enough calories. 3RD slash 4TH day, I started hearing stuff. Either some freaky deep voice saying some echoing gibberish I can't make out that turns into freaky laughter or white noise. I swear I could feel a man in the room, but I figured if it's some demonic presence and I get killed, at least it's a great excuse to get out of exams. Eventually passed out and slept for 27 hours. Never again. I was in a bank robbery six years ago. I still remember the horrible feeling of realizing that it was not a joke and was actually happening. Two men with guns inside, shouting, don't look. Don't move. I remember feeling completely panicked and helpless. I have never felt so helpless, actually. I felt like time completely stopped while it was going on. It felt like I was standing there forever, hoping no one got hurt. I remember I could taste a metallic taste in my mouth. And the thoughts you have when you think you are going to get shot are quite odd. I still occasionally will have terrible nightmares about being trapped somewhere with someone with a gun. My father is a physician, has been in practice for 30 years, and has literally seen tens of thousands of patients. One day a few years back, he goes to see a woman who had been admitted to the hospital the previous day for a serious lung condition. He enters her hospital room in the morning, the woman is heavily sedated, and there's a nurse fixing her bed and cleaning the room. Immediately upon entering, my father gets a severe allergic reaction, feels he can barely breathe, and tears start rolling from his eyes. The nurse stands and helps him back into the hallway. After dad finally recovers and apologizes to the nurse, he says, that's so weird, that only happens when I get close to cats. The nurse goes white as a ghost. It turns out that the hospitalized woman had been awake all night, screaming that cats were crawling all over her body and trying to scratch out her eyes. The hospital staff believed she was simply having a weird reaction to some medication, 
and after hours of her terrified screaming, they were able to medicate her to sleep. There is probably a logical explanation for the whole situation, but I remember finding the account bone chilling when I first heard the story. Scariest moment, I was about 16 or so and on my way to help decorate for a school dance. A buddy and me decide to go get some snacks and drinks for everyone, and he's driving his hatchback Camaro, 90s model. About halfway down the road, while heading back with the snacks, we are coming around a fairly sharp right curve, and halfway through the curve, a truck comes blasting toward us, half on our side of the road. My friend swerves and overcorrects a few times until we are heading semi-straight on the road, not realizing we are still sliding a bit toward the ditch. He tries to save it, and we hit the ditch on the driver's side, still moving fairly quickly. The last thing I remember before blacking out was us in mid-air careening into the ditch. The car was mangled and upside down, facing the opposite direction we were heading, and both of us are hanging upside down in our seats. He's still unconscious, and his head is tilted sideways against the roof. I had to crawl through the broken window on the back hatch because the doors were crushed. There was a man standing across the road who just happened to live right across from where we crashed. He said we hit the ditch, flipped, and the top of the car was crushed on a tree before rolling back down into the ditch upside down. I had a mild concussion, and he cracked a bone in his neck but wasn't paralyzed. We were lucky as hell. I still get nervous when riding as a passenger, most bone chilling, the day I had to use all the training in CPR I never imagined I'd ever need. Working at a grocery store, I heard a woman screaming about something in one of the aisles. Another woman comes running toward the front panicked, and asking if anyone knew CPR as some guy collapsed and wasn't breathing. I closed my lane with people still in the line and met a pharmacist who works there halfway to the guy. The two of us were the only ones who were trained in CPR, and we worked for about 30 minutes switching out every few minutes when one of us got exhausted. A lady came back a few days later to the shop and told us she was a relative of his and that he didn't make it. But thanked us for trying so hard to keep him alive until the paramedics got there. I still remember it like it's fresh in my mind. I work in mental health, particularly with people who have extensive suicidal ideation and multiple psychiatric hospitalizations. Despite working with this population for close to 10 years, I have only had one client successfully commit suicide. They poured gasoline over themselves and set themselves on fire. There are no words for how extremely terrifying that is to see. The worst part was they didn't immediately die. I will hear them say, that wasn't what I wanted for the rest of my life. I never thought I would share this story with total strangers but here goes. So my mother, sister and I lived in a small apartment. An important thing to note is that my mother was a psychiatrist, she lost her license for attempting to kill a patient, so she had a very large collection of painkillers, psychedelics and more. So it was my sister's 13th birthday party, and my mother decided to down an entire bottle of cough syrup, enough vodka to kill most people, and probably something else. It got to be about 11 at night, and my sister started making plans for her and her friends to sleep in the living room. At this point, my mother starts trying to hit on some of her friends and demands to sleep right next to them. My sister says no and gets slapped across the face so hard I could hear it clear through my bedroom door. The next thing I know, my sister has grabbed the phone, telling me to call the cops and my father while she starts barricading my door with her body. I will burn this whole house down if I have to get screamed at us as my mother breaks my door with a large knife in her hand. All I had time to do was tell the cops we needed police at our address before she pointed the knife at me all tells me to give her the phone. My sister then grabs the phone screaming for help as, my mother grabs her by the throat and picks her up, and presses her against my window. Lucky for us, the police station was about a 5 minutes walk from our home, so the cops were there after about 10 minutes of our little bedroom standoff, as soon as we saw the cops lights out the window, my mom dropped my sister and sealed herself off in her room. 
I have never been able to forget the look in her eyes as she pointed the knife at me, it still gives me nightmares years later. I would say we got a happy ending, but my dad was about the same as my mom, so my sister and I got split up, and we both ended up homeless. I found some very good friends I now call family to take me in, but my sister was not so lucky. I have not seen her in about a year now because her husband is abusing her even though she says he is perfect. I was on the jury for a trial where a 70 year o drunk driver hit and killed a motorcyclist after making an illegal turn. Police testified against him, all the evidence was against him, it was pretty cut and dry. Go into deliberations after both parties rested and one woman refuses to convict him on the most serious charge because he's old. She concedes on other charges and refuses to switch because she's doing us all a favor by convicting on lesser charges. We sit there for hours trying to convince her, then, a fellow male juror switches to the other side because he wants to go home. Someone else gets hungry, so they give up as well. Other people switch, the jury can't come to a decision and can't convict him on the major crime. I won't forget seeing the wife of the motorcyclist cry, his parents in disbelief and start to cry, his young daughter just sitting there quietly. My roommate and I were playing Battlefield 2 when his brother walked into the room, pulled out a handgun, and shot himself in the face. It went in his mouth and slid up along his jawline and out his eye. Bits of eye, brain, and teeth went flying out in a pinkish cloud, and he fell back against the wall, still very much alive. We secured the weapon and applied pressure on his face until the paramedics showed up. The worst part is he lived. I no longer live in the city that happened, so I don't ever see him, but I've been told he's permanently retarded now. When I was around 8, I got on a roller coaster at Six Flags in Houston. It had those foam-covered bars that locked over your shoulders and a small seat to sit on, but the feet dangled. About a minute into the ride, it starts twisting. I slip halfway out of the seat and almost out of the seat belt that was supposed to be checked for security beforehand but wasn't tight enough. I spent the entire ride digging my little nails into the foam padding on the shoulder bars while the edge of the seat was digging into my back. My mom was sitting next to me and noticed what was happening. All she could reach was my shirt and held on to that for the ride. I haven't been on a coaster since. Vet here. I used to work emergency shifts at night, and one time a lady phoned in saying her dog was bleeding from his nose. I advised them to come down immediately, although they didn't sound super distressed about it, just a bit concerned. I go to unlock the practice, and the car pulls up. The lady and her husband are there, the lady comes out of the car and is smiling, saying thank you for me coming out. She then goes round to the boot where the dog was and let out this soul-destroying scream when she opens the door. I ran over, and all I could see was this poor spaniel in a sea of blood. Literally, the whole boot was covered in it. It turns out that a vessel in the dog's lungs had eroded, edit, likely cancer-related, unknown that the dog was seriously ill prior to this as it displayed no other signs of poor health aside from being a bit more lethargic, and it basically bled out through his respiratory tract on the drive over. The dog was already dead. I have never heard such tragic screams in my life, and it will haunt me for the rest of my days. I spent two hours with the poor family consoling them and reminiscing about their dog as he was in life, it was so sad. I have never been so disturbed by a single noise in my life as I was when the woman started shrieking. It was such a shock. For the abusive asshole that he was, my dad did go through some shit. Not sure how the conversation came about, but my mom ended up telling me this story. Back in 1992, a lot of people didn't give a fuck about seatbelt safety and even actively rallied against it. Well, one young mother learned the hard way why wearing seatbelts is important. My dad drives a semi-truck as a cross-country deliveryman. He was cruising down the highway when all of a sudden, this car randomly swerves out of its lane into a head-on collision with my dad's truck. 
If you've ever seen the aftermath of a car on semi-collision, you know how this is going to turn out. Miraculously, the mother lived. Her mother, the little girl's grandma, died, perhaps from impact or maybe had a heart attack. But the worst part was that the mother wasn't considerate enough to buckle up her five-year-old daughter in the back of the car, and upon impact, the little girl went flying through the windshield and didn't hit the ground for a solid 10 feet. She was dead on impact. And now that woman has to live for the rest of her life knowing that one simple inaction is the reason her daughter is dead. Wear your seatbelt, please. 1996, aged 19, I went on an interrail trip around Europe with my then boyfriend. Best trip ever and cost peanuts compared to what I spend on holidays now with my two rugrats. Anyway, we were on the Greek island of Corfu, some ferry routes fell under the interrail system, and hired little 50cc mopeds for a couple of days so we could see the island. It was nighttime, about 11.30 pm, the sky was very dark due to clouds, and we were heading back to our hostel via a very steep, very bendy mountain road which had cliff drops at the side. Scary enough, but then a truck comes tearing up around a blind bend at us, on the wrong side of the road, his lights were on full beam and dazzled me totally. I tried to pull over, so he didn't hit me, but skidded and went straight off the cliff edge at about 30 miles per hour. I have a very strong memory of the sensation of flying and falling, whilst my heart beat so loudly in my ears it was deafening. I remember I held my breath the entire time this was happening, but my BF said I was actually screaming at that point. Then it's as if I blacked out or fell asleep because what seemed like centuries or eons later, I opened my eyes to see nothing but darkness, and could hear nothing. At least dying didn't hurt, I thought. Then, instantly, oh, I'm still thinking. That's not what I expected, I thought everything would just stop. Maybe it will in a minute. Maybe this is it, and I'm about to go. So I waited. And waited. That was the scariest moment ever for me in my whole life. Just waiting to see what came next, knowing it was inevitable and I could do nothing to change it. Just then, I heard distant yelling in another language and also noticed tiny specks of white light in the ceiling slash sky above me. And then I realize I can see stars and streetlights by the shore, and the truck driver plus some other guys are yelling in Greek. My boyfriend is screaming my name. I'm alive, and I am hanging almost upside down, caught by my backpack straps and a tree which is growing out of the cliffside. It took a long time for them to get down and rescue me, and the mope shop was very pissed off about the loss of their moped. I have been on one since but only briefly. My family have never been told this story as they'd probably lock my now 40-year-old self up in the cellar, even now, just so I could never do anything as stupid again. So I'm currently going through a nasty divorce. I left my wife about 4 months ago and moved into a house by myself close to work. We have a four and a half year old daughter, which I haven't been able to see for the last four months because my wife filed an injunction against me, nothing happened, it was just divorce tactics. Luckily, she recently came to her senses and dropped the injunction, and now I have a 50-50 timeshare with my daughter which starts next weekend. Well, this past weekend, my mom came to town to help me set up the house, because, you know, I'm a guy, and guys have no sense of decor, right? At least that's how my mom thinks, and when it comes to me, she's right. We bought a twin bed for my daughter's room, bought her Frozen, her favorite movie, themed furniture and decor, we got a bunch of knickknacks to decorate the whole house, candles, pictures, fake plants, rugs, etc. We did everything we could to make it more homey. Before we bought all these new rugs and set up my daughter's room, I kept my cat's litter box in my daughter's room for the past four months while it was empty. After setting up her room, I moved the litter box to another empty bedroom. Well, my cat didn't like the fact that her box was moved. Apparently, she had decided that room was going to be her room. And absolutely refused to use the litter box after it was moved. Instead, 
She would shit and piss on all the new carpets anytime my mom and I were out of the house. The entire weekend conducted of the two of us deep cleaning the new rugs with strong cleaning products every time she would shit on one. Finally, I decided to put the litter box back in my daughter's room, which is right next to mine, until I could figure out a solution. Trust me, this is relevant. Fast forward to Monday late afternoon. My mom's flight is at 6pm, so we leave the house, go out for one last meal, and I drop her off at the airport. I get home around 6.30pm to my newly furnished and decorated house. It definitely made me feel more at home. I had no plans that night, so I spent most of the night on the couch binge watching movies and drinking scotch. Around 11.30pm, I was pretty hammered and stumbled to my bedroom, closed the door, locked it, because monsters and vampires, and collapsed on my bed. I passed out instantly. Around 4.30am, I wake up to the worst smell I think has ever hit my nose. It was so bad it actually pulled me out of my drunken sleep. It smelled like a combination of shit, sweaty ball sack, ogre trash, and bleach all mixed together. My first thought was the goddamn cat took a shit on the rug again. I ignored it, rolled over, and tried to go back to sleep but couldn't. The smell was that bad. Finally, I got up, unlocked the bedroom door and peeked out into the living room to see if she left a surprise on the rug. Clean. I looked in my daughter's room, and there was a nice turd in her litter box. So the smell couldn't have been my cat, at least what I was smelling. I shrugged it off, closed and locked my door, and collapsed on my bed. I laid on my bed staring into the darkness for about 30 minutes, trying to fathom what I was smelling. Maybe it's a combination of my cat's shit and all the cleaning product we used over the weekend? Maybe a pipe burst somewhere? Did I forget to take the trash to the curb, and I was smelling all the shit we threw away over the weekend? No matter what conclusion I came up with, none of it made sense. A little after 5am, I get up and walk to the bathroom and sit down to do my business. I browse Reddit for a few minutes on my phone until I'm done. I flush the toilet then collapsed onto my bed. You know that draining sound the toilet makes after you flush it? I'm laying there on my bed, listening to the toilet do its drain cycle until it finally stopped, and I was in complete silence. That's when I heard it, a sniff and the sound of someone clearing their throat, from my fucking closet. I don't know what happened, but I immediately jumped into survival mode. I jumped out of bed, grabbed my phone, unlocked my bedroom door, grabbed my car keys, and bolted out the front door and jumped in my car. I started the car and backed out of my driveway and into my neighbor's driveway across the street. I shined my high beams at my house while I called the police. They were there within minutes. The cops approached my car, and I tell them there was someone in my closet. I sleep in the nude, so the cops thought I was just some crazy drunk at first, but after two minutes of arguing, they went in to investigate. They were in there for what seemed like hours, and sure enough, they come out with a very skinny, obviously homeless, black man in handcuffs. They put the guy in the back of one of their cruisers and approached my car to ask me questions. Apparently, this guy snuck in through the back sliding glass door while I was dropping off my mom at the airport. He admitted to looking for pills or something to pawn for pills when he heard me come home, freaked out, and jumped in my closet. The smell I was smelling was his terrible B.O. coming from my closet, three feet away from me. This man was in my house the entire night. What if I didn't smell him and open my closet the next morning while getting ready? What if I had my daughter over that night? The whole thought gives me shivers. When I was about 12, my sibling broke down and told my mother that they had been touched by our grandfather. This was late at night and me, my siblings and my mom pretty much cried in a pile all night, it was one of the worst nights of my life. The next day we stay home from school, but my mom still needed to go to work, no dad. We lived in an apartment that was semi-underground, and the windows on one side of the house were pretty much on the ground outside. We hear a knock and my grandpa's voice asking us to let him. We were terrified, 
and we ran to close all the blinds and lock the back door. He was an exceptional manipulator, and he put on his sweetest, saddest grandpa voice and started knocking on all the windows pleading with us to let him in. None of us are saying anything, and we're hiding. We call our mom and whisper that grandpa's here, and he's trying to get inside the house. He tries opening the door, and when it was locked he started to get really angry, he quiet shouted how could we do this to him and how he just loves us and nothing is wrong. He left after about 10 minutes, but it felt like hours, my mom rushed home as fast as she possibly could. I forget if it was the same, the next day or a while later, but his and my grandma's house was searched by cops. They found he had set up a tube to go from a closet in his study, he would never let anyone else go in his study, to the bathroom, and he'd been watching us go to the bathroom and shower for I don't know how long, the good news is he did go to prison. A whole three years. We have to see him at family gatherings, like funerals, and it makes my skin crawl. I've been mugged at gunpoint and almost kidnapped in Mexico by a gang of murderers fleeing America, 13 then, and my formerly sweet old grandpa trying to get at us kids, for God knows why is the most terrified I've ever been in my life. I can't say I was scared, but I was a bit freaked. I went shopping at our small town strip mall. While I'm in one store, I notice a man walking past where I'm browsing. I nod a hello, smiled and got back to business. After leaving that store, I needed to make a quick run to the supermarket that serves as an anchor store for the retail strip. As I approached my car from visiting the department store, I noticed the guy is sitting in a truck next to my car. Just a coincidence, no big deal. So I drive to the supermarket at the other end, go in and grab what's needed and go back to the car. There he is again. Parked right next to me. As I climb up into the car, van, I see the largest jar of Vaseline I believe I've ever or ever will see. After my mind processed data, it didn't take long for the eyes to confirm, this dude was smiling at me, pecker full exposed, and he is spanking the hell out of that bastard. I calmly look away, called my husband, who was working nights as a police officer, I told him the situation, his vehicle description, his physical appearance, and where we were parked. In less than 30 seconds, all four cops on duty, remember, tiny town, show up, including my husband. They sent me on home and retained him. I was happy to be out of there. Until later, when it was told to me, he is mentally challenged. Apparently not so much he can't get a license. His mother, who had been his only human contact, was the one who kept him on the straight and narrow, and she had passed a couple of weeks before. I understand now he was acting out his pain but sometimes can't help but question that mother's in relation to make him act out in that manner. He wasn't charged with anything that night, but they did send him to a mental health facility for assessment. And that was the last I heard of him. As for bone chilling, I would have to say that I have many. I can't recount the hours I spent transcribing murderer statements. 99% are just run-of-the-mill kills, women who killed their cheating spouse, domestic violence murders, and the sorts, but once I had to transcribe a recording of two 20-something men begged for lives while sitting in a dry tub, fully clothed, to no avail. And it continued to get worse, 16 teens and two 20-something, the ringleaders, mock the corpses for shitting everywhere, shoot additional rounds into their lifeless bodies. I had to transcribe their plans to wrap the boys in bar wire rugs with concrete blocks attached to their legs to hold them down in a lake. I guess when the cameraman knew it was time to transport, he shut off his camera. Amazingly that recording resurfaced through the cameraman's girlfriend. Although I'm no longer a legal secretary, that case haunts me. The pleading and crying of two young men not to be killed, only to be snuffed out, and then ridiculed for what the body does naturally after death, that was too much. I quit my job the next week. When I was younger, me and the neighborhood boys were on a tree climbing kick. Big or small, we would get together and climb trees around the area. Well, when my mom found out about it, 
She forbade it and told me I was going to hurt myself doing it. Being a kid, I naturally ignored her, thinking if I was careful, I could never hurt myself. I remember one day me and the boys got together and started climbing my friend's huge oak in his backyard. I had climbed it many times before, and it was my favorite because it overlooked his two-story house. What made this day different was that it had rained only hours before, so the branches were wet. I had made it all the way to the top before turning to climb back down to my friends at the bottom when I lost my footing and fell. It all happened so fast, there was literally no time for me to be scared. I fell from the top of the tree headfirst and missed almost every branch on the way down until the very last branch, six feet away from the ground. My legs had buckled as I was falling and I caught myself on the very last branch. Hanging there, upside down, staring at the ground below, I just thought to myself, holy shit, as all the adrenaline hit me. I am still convinced I would have died or broke my neck that day, which I did break three years later, but that's another story. Broke my neck in sixth grade gym class. It was gymnastics unit in class, and I was doing a headstand while my friend held me for support. Since I was the chunker kid, it was a lot of pressure on my neck already, but my friend thought it would be funny to push me during the already agonizing process. All my weight fell to my neck, and I heard three pops. When I got up, my neck was cranked all the way to the left and wasn't budging. Surprisingly enough, it didn't hurt bad, and I kinda stumbled around in confusion. My gym coach approached me and asked me to do a forward roll. I complained about my neck, but he was persistent. Thankfully the female gym coach recognized something might not be right and told me to sit down. Class ended, and the pain started. When I started crying in reading class, my teacher immediately sent me to the nurse, and an ambulance was called due to the severity of neck injuries. When I arrived at the hospital, the doctor ordered a CAT scan, and I was sent to a room afterward to await the results. I will never forget my mom breaking down crying when the doctor walked in depressingly and told us I had a subluxation of my C1, C2 vertebrates, a hairline fracture on my C1 vertebrate, and almost all my ligaments in my neck were torn. When my mom started sobbing, I remember things were suddenly so real. Surgery would be risky, and I had a chance of never walking again. Luckily, I had the best doctor in the world. He decided against surgery and instead put me into traction, where they screw giant ass screws into my head while awake and attach a weight to the back of it. The process lifts my head back into place, and I was in the hospital for a little under a week. Miraculously, I recovered rather quickly with little to no side effects. They had me in a brace for six months to heal the fracture and ligaments. Rehab was a bitch, but I can proudly say I have full movement in my neck 10 years later. The doctor said that if I had done that forward roll like the coach wanted, I would have been paralyzed for the rest of my life. Thank God I spoke up. I don't know if this experience was bone chilling, but it definitely is permanently seared into my memory. When I was in high school, I went to Colorado with some friends, and we decided to go climb a small mountain nearby the hotel we were staying at. The mountain was a very easy hike if you took the path, which was more of a deer trail, but being young and foolish, we decided to go up the hard way. This entailed hiking and scrambling along a 100 to 200 feet cliff for most of the way. We were having a blast and taking pictures along the edge when we spotted a precipice hanging out over the cliff. It overlooked this gorgeous valley between the mountain ranges. So naturally, we tried to climb our way down to it. We finally find the easiest path down, but there's a catch. In order to get there, you would have to jump down 6 to 7 feet and across a 4 foot gap with nothing but 200 feet of open air underneath you. No one was brave enough to do it, so I took a leap of faith, so to speak. I made it fine, and we got the picture, and now before me lay the task of climbing back up to my friends. Since I couldn't jump 6 foot into the air, I had to free climb my way back. All was going well until I ran out of foot and handholds. The next one was around the corner of the cliff above open air. 
As this was my only option, I reached for it. Luckily, I got a decent hold and then began the process of transferring the rest of my body around the corner. As I was about to swing my body around, my hand slipped, and the next thing I knew, I was falling. It was weird, it was like my mind went completely blank, and I had accepted my fate. Then miraculously, I landed on a tiny ledge about 2 by 1 foot hanging out from the cliff face. I had fallen 15 foot and managed to stick the landing. I quickly climbed back up, and I didn't even realize what had happened until I reached the top of the cliff and waited there shaking. So yeah, I fell off a cliff because I was being dumb. Worst of all, I lost the picture. I was volunteering at a race, and was in the middle of handing cups of Gatorade to thousands of exhausted runners who have just finished and are all shuffling past me. I'm facing them to give them the little cups, so I'm looking back down the racecourse at the finish line about 50 feet from me. Massive boom suddenly, and I see this huge poof of smoke. Everybody jumps, it was loud, everybody turns and looks, all the hundreds of faces that a second ago had been facing me are all now swiveled the other way. The puff of smoke goes rolling up the side of a church. Very eerie second of silence as everyone's watching the puff of smoke and there's this weird distant high-pitched sound, everyone's thinking could that possibly have been. A, then suddenly boom, second one. Bum? And then the weird distant sound resolves into a wave of distant screams, like, blood-curdling, desperate screams. The screams take this couple seconds to sort of hit peak volume, like, they sort of ramp up, and there is this tone to those screams, this pitch and raggedness of sheer terror that like, trips some seriously weird alarm bells in my head, and every single one of those thousands of exhausted runners, who had all been barely able to walk seconds before, just all launch forward, almost levitating, and go sprinting past me. The look of that entire crowd just launching into motion in synchrony, all the one hundreds of faces whipping toward me again and every single person pushing off into the sprint, I will never forget that. The volunteers around me run too, everybody runs, except me and another volunteer, except the cops. These cops who had been standing nearby chit-chatting are like instinctively instantly running toward the booms. I have never seen a huge crowd flee in panic before, let alone a crowd that had been so exhausted before. And I have never seen cops in the moment of the crisis run toward danger before. A second later, a wheelchair comes bolting toward us, this cluster of people around it and this white-faced volunteer pushing it. And there's a guy in it who I think is sitting with his legs folded under him, and he's holding these two red sticks out in front of him for some reason. He goes all the way past me before I realize the two red sticks are his tibias. He is not sitting with his legs folded under him, his legs have been blasted off. He was the first of 26 people W legs blasted off, and then 100s of others with chunks of flesh gouged out, eyes missing etc. This was 4 years ago in Boston. This is a bit different, the most scared I have ever been and probably the closest I have been to death. I was by myself, riding a motorcycle in a spirited fashion, on a remote forested mountain road that is famous among motorcycle riders. I came around a blind but high-speed corner at about 70 miles per hour. Suddenly, I found myself confronted with a herd of about 20 elk crossing in front of me. I literally couldn't see the road on the other side of the herd. I'm talking about a solid wall of 600 plus pound animals that are over 6 feet tall. I had enough time to close my eyes, and that's about it. At that speed, it would take over 200 feet to stop, and I had about 20 feet and no clear line through. Somehow, and I will never know for sure how I got through totally unscathed. I remember hearing their hooves on the pavement. I pulled over and looked back to see the last of them running into the woods. I turned off my bike, got off, and sat on the side of the road for about 30 minutes until I mostly stopped shaking. Then I rode home very slowly. I haven't ridden that road since, or without a helmet camera. Witnessed, 
This fucked me up so badly that I can't even remember how old I was. I know I was in elementary school, and it was before grade 4. I have more memories from pre-K than I do from between K4. This is the most vivid one. Waking up to my mother screaming hysterically. I walk out of my bedroom to see what is going on, only to see her collapse on the floor holding my infant brother. He had passed of SIDS sometime during the night. Dad got the other brother up, tossed us both into the car, mom got in, alternating between sobbing and attempting CPR as dad raced us to the nearest fire station. When I was pregnant with my third child, I was so terrified that it would be a boy and would die just like my brother that I was actually suicidal. I wanted to be dead rather than have to face the death of my child that I was absolutely convinced would happen if it were a boy, because my children had, to that point, followed my mother's experience, first kid, a girl, the second kid, three years and one month later, a boy. I was referred to a counselor, and I had my first visit with them a few hours before my anatomy scan, the one where you can see what your baby is going to be, if you didn't spring for the blood test, third child, a boy. For the rest of my pregnancy, I refused to buy anything but his bed. We bought diapers on the way home from the hospital. I had to give up breastfeeding to go on a stronger antidepressant. I was on a cocktail of meds that didn't help much. They kept me from acting on my suicidal thoughts but didn't do anything else for me. I was afraid to get attached to him. I had difficulty playing with him. I was convinced that he hated me, despite him being so attached that no one but me could hold him, or he'd scream hysterically. The only memory I have of my second brother being alive was Christmas, so I convinced myself that if he lived past Christmas, I could stop worrying about him. After Christmas, I went off of my medication completely. It got a little better, but not entirely. He just had his first birthday a couple of weeks ago. Things are much better now. I'm no longer afraid to get attached to him, still have panic attacks when we drive past fire stations, though. My husband deployed to Afghanistan and had a close friend who was killed after stepping on an eyed, one other person was injured. He has only ever talked about it once, after an entire bottle of liquor on the anniversary of his friend's death. After the explosion, they got the area secure and called for a helicopter to get the injured guy out. In the process they loaded the remains of his friend into the helicopter too, but since he stepped directly on the eyed, it was chunks and pieces. Then as they were leaving, another guy noticed part of his boot on the ground and grabbed it part of his foot was still inside, the helicopter had already taken off so they had to take in in their math. The guy who saw it started puking and crying, so my husband was the one who held it the whole way back to their base. You hear horrible things like that all the time, see it in the movies. It was the way he said it all that gave me the goosebumps. He had no emotion, got this far away look in his eyes, his posture changed. Then I looked down at his hands and they were positioned like they were holding something. So last December I went on a trip to Costa Rica with two of my friends, one of them being an experienced surfer and solo traveler. He pretty much planned the whole trip and I was just kind of along for the ride. So we stayed in a small tourist surfer town called Tamarindo. It is a really beautiful town with a beautiful beach that just so happens to be right next to the mouth of a river, creating brackish waters where apparently crocodiles love to hang out. To give you a feel for how close slash far I was to the mouth, if you are facing the beach in the middle of it, on your right 200 yards down the beach is the mouth. Every 75 yards moving from the river to the left are jetties, a large line of rocks going out to sea, and they create about four areas to surf between the jetties. We were two sections over from the river surfing, pretty much worry-free because the crocs don't really like pure salt water. So I'm sitting in the water on a 9-foot board, and I feel something hard brush my leg. I thought it was just some rock or something. I look down and all I see is this massive tail that's obviously connected to a behemoth of a crocodile. So a few things went through my mid really quickly as soon as I first sighted the croc. First, you're about to get fucked, 
Tell your friend to swim to safety. Had a friend sitting on a board about 15 yards away so I told him to swim to shore as calmly as possible. Second, you're about to get fucked, better pray so if heaven's real you can snag that last minute ticket in. Went something like please God don't let me die, please God don't let me die, please God don't let me die. Third, you're about to get fucked, but maybe you won't if you put your legs on the board and pretend like er driftwood. So I put my legs up and slowly paddled with nothing but my hands on either side super slowly cause I didn't want to make any splashes. So flash forward about 10 seconds and I see the crocodile under me. I mean the whole crocodile. Head to toe this thing was a foot longer than my board and wider. Keep in mind I'm riding a 9 foot board and that's not including the tail exclamation mark so it circles me one full time after the first sighting, and then just goes under me and out to sea. I had never experienced raw fear until this moment. Feeling like you're being hunted by an apex predator is something else. So I swam back as fast as possible to where the other surfers were grouped and tried for a few minutes to convince them of what I saw but I wasn't giving them a very good account cause I was pretty shaken up. Swam back to shore and sat on the sand for the next two hours contemplating life. All in all pretty solid vacation. I was 19 and working in a farm supply store. We had truckers who regularly loaded up and we knew them pretty well, most of the time. There was one dude who was always a little shady and inappropriate. One day he came into the store and I happened to be alone because there was a crisis in one of the grain mills. I heard the bell jungle when someone entered and turned to go to the front desk and instead see him walking down the aisle toward me. He didn't say a word, he didn't have to. I knew what he was thinking and what he was intending. I've never before or since known so clearly what someone was planning and what was about to happen. I was trapped on three sides and he outweighed me by a good 100 to 150 and had at least 6 inches on me. When he was about 8 feet from me the face of our young, very fit and large manager popped up over his shoulder from across the room. He yelled the man's name once, just once. I knew instantly that the manger knew what was happening, I'm guessing from the look on my face, or from knowing something about his past. The guy turned and faced in his direction and he told him he would help him. The young manager met him halfway across the store and then escorted him to door. I don't know what he said, but the guy, who had been a regular forever, never came back. The manager looked at me to see if I was freaking out, told me he was not welcome anymore asked if I was okay and we both went back to work. It was scary and so odd. I knew that everyone knew what was happening with no words. It was silent and terrifying. I was once at a Carl's Jr. near the border between Mexico and the US at around 2 to 3 in the morning. I was sitting by myself at a table and it was very crowded and as I was sitting there eating, two guys sat down across from me. I didn't pay attention since I assumed they were just looking to sit down, but the guy closest to me, a rather chubby, bald guy with tattoos on his arms and neck, leaned in and said to me something along the lines of what's up homie, you should have never come here, I can have you tied up in my trunk and no one would know, what's stopping me? I remember the feeling of sheer terror in my gut when I heard him say that, I knew that if I was scared or lost my composure something bad would happen. That's when I looked up and noticed the Nueva Generacion amongst the tattoos on his neck. I tried to think of what to say for what felt like an eternity, finally all I could say was you might regret it. That's when him and his friend chuckled and walked out of the restaurant. I know now that they were just looking to fuck with me and got the laugh they wanted, but that was one of the most frightening moments of my life and I haven't gone near the border since. I was cornered and surrounded by four up to no good youths in an empty train at night. Their eyes told of drug use and not the hippie kind. They sized me up while their leader made small talk about the book, some philosophy of science or, I was reading. After I had explained the basic concept, he asked me to read from the back page. I kept my composure and complied, treating them as interested students. Apparently that act spared me, from whatever they could possibly have done, which I was told as they left me. Nothing happened. 
I have been hit on before, unprovoked, and have been in some tight places, even had knives pulled on me a couple of times, but the sheer uncertainty of not knowing their intentions and what could have happened, makes it one of the scariest situations of my life. No way I could have taken on four drugged up psychos and gotten away unscathed. Keeping cool and treating them with an air of respect saved me, but I was just on autopilot, buying time while biting it. This happened when I was seven, and it was probably the first time I was sure I was going to die. My family and I went on this massive road trip back to my mom's hometown, which was a small fishing village that thrived on tourism during the summer. It's a gorgeous place by the ocean, with views that belong in a fantasy novel but the ocean is enormously cold and dangerous. We went on a whale watching trip early in the morning, and ended up getting caught in a massive ocean storm. The captain had been on the sea for years, but even he couldn't guarantee we'd get back to shore. It was terrifying. I was shaking constantly. My dad took the time to explain what death was, and how it wasn't something we could fight if it was unavoidable. I grew up an atheist, so there was no solace in heaven. Thinking about it makes me anxious. It took us hours to get back, all the while we were bobbing in and out of the water. The real chilling part for me, as an adult, is that I was with my entire family. My grandmother. My cousins. My uncles and aunts. My parents. Heck, even my dog and my best friend at the time. We could have died and an entire family basically wiped off the face of the earth. When the Malaysian airline disappeared, Indonesia was in high tension. People were nervous about traveling, and the situation was just so weird in the worst way. This hit pretty close to home because of the proximity of Malaysia, they're basically in the same turf. Then two other planes went down. And then QZ 8501. It was horrifying. It was around Christmas slash New Year too, so everyone was abroad and were anticipating flights home. The plane left Surabaya and was headed towards Singapore, and I don't think it was even in the air for an hour when it went down. When they finally found some breadcrumbs to the landing site, everyone had their eyes glued to a television. Families of victims were at the Surabaya airport just waiting for any breaking news or their family members in case the plane like, flew back or something. There was finally an update but this was a couple days later irk. They found a dead bloated body in the water, pan the news cameras towards it, and aired IT live. No sensor, no blur, no nothing. Just a fucking dead body right there on live TV. My parents and I watched other news channels and saw family members fainting, throwing up, and wailing like desperate souls. I think the news channel realized what they were doing like 5 minutes later, but it was too late. You don't recover from seeing a dead body of someone you might know on the telly. It was truly, truly chilling, and I can still see the dead body in my head. Scariest? Almost smashing into a stopped car while driving roughly 40 miles per hour. I was meeting up with some friends at a beach in SoCal. Of course, the beaches in SoCal are really popular, and parking is hard to come by. Anyways, as I am driving, there are parking lots to my right. I am driving around 40 miles per hour while simultaneously looking to my right to see if I can find an empty spot, stupid thing to do I know, but unbeknownst to me, the cars ahead of me have stopped. I look forward at the last second, and realize I have literally seconds before I smash into the car in front of me. I immediately swerve to the left, where luckily there weren't any cars. Sometimes I think someone is looking out for me, because this wasn't the only time I've cheated death. I work in a healthcare type setting. Mine, a client of mine has seizures and their tongue will bleed and their eyes look like they will pop out of their skull. The first time I witnessed it I was called over to help with them and I had to keep them to the side so they would not choke on their blood and to support them from falling out of or tipping their wheelchair. I looked into their eyes while I was playing with their hair to kind of help them relax and watching another person's pupils dilate to where all you see is black and their eyes going bloodshot is terrifying to me. 
they would also stop breathing during them at certain parts. The whole thing was absolutely terrifying and had me on the verge of tears. A co-worker, a client was choking and they could not get them to cough it back up, they called an ambulance and they had to try to create an airway for them to breath, they bled everywhere and they were not able to save them and this person died on the floor in front of them and other staff members. I'm trying to be as vague as I can be such as not revealing genders or anything that would point towards that specific person just in case a family member so happens to be a part of Reddit. One not related to my job and long story short an old roommate caused our house to be raided. Gun in my face and all. Found out he was downloading CP. At first we were in denial about it being children, we thought it could have been a girl who looked of age and was not and it had been an accident, till I called the detective he told me ages and I lost my shit. It was terrifying that you think you know someone and they did something like that down the hall from you. It ruined me ever wanting children and I had an issue going out in public for a good month. Sorry if this story isn't the kind you'd want to read in a post like this. My great uncle was a resistance fighter in France during the World War II. He was partaking in train slash railway sabotage and such operations. He was eventually caught by the Gestapo and sent to a concentration camp, I don't remember which one, but it wasn't far from the Russian front line. As soon as he got there the other inmates dropped on him to steal his clothes. I can't blame them given the horrendous conditions of living, can we even call that living? Over there. He understood soon enough that he would die there, so he managed to escape and walk for days in the tundra while almost naked. When he got to the Russian-controlled zone, they thought he was a German spy and put him in a labor camp, yeah, talk about luck. He managed to escape again one year later with a few other inmates towards the end of the war and after a week and days of walking through the woods he was found alone by an American division. He wasn't put into jail this time, although he was interrogated and managed to get back to France. The scary thing is that when he got home, my father told me that he couldn't sit properly anymore. His uncle had to squat on top of the chair slash couch, because he was used to sit like that in camp slash great to avoid the cold. The fact that he was the only one found by the American soldiers after such a long time during the winter made us also wonder if he didn't eat the inmates that escaped with him and died in the cold. So yeah pretty bone chilling. Years ago I lived next door to a very reclusive alcoholic middle-aged father and young adult son. They shared a basement studio apartment in a very old building with paper-thin walls. Not that it mattered, since they were up until ungodly hours screaming at each other in Korean and throwing things at the walls. But God forbid I make any noise at all in my apartment. I'm talking about closing my kitchen cabinets, or turning on my sink. Then they were banging on my walls, screaming at me, and sometimes opening their door and yelling down the hallway at my door. It was impossible to deal with. I already have anxiety and this was not helping me. One day I got a package in the mail and apparently it was delivered early in the morning in front of my door. I suppose the package was in their way maybe. It wasn't big but something about it made the guy snap. I wake up some time later to hysterical howling and a much louder banging noise, like cracking wood, and it's coming from the inside of my apartment. I run into my living room in PJs, still half asleep, to see my front door barely hanging onto the splinters of the frame. Neighbor is using all his strength to try to kick my front door down and throwing his whole body weight at it and I'm watching the cracks in the frame slowly travel the length of the frame. I'm terrified, as a 5 feet 1 inch, 20 year old girl, home alone with no weapons and no means to defend myself. Honestly I thought that if he broke into my apartment he was going to try to kill me. He then backs off and enters his apartment as if nothing happened. I spent the remainder of the day crying in my closet, on the phone with my then boyfriend. I moved out of there pretty quickly after that. When I was in high school, we took a field trip to another school, this is a county full of tiny farm towns, where they set up a mock car accident for an Arrive Alive, Missouri campaign, program on the importance of wearing your seatbelt. 
The first thing we did when we got there was walk through the scene. They used mangled cars, the actors were students who volunteered and some were lying there with bloody makeup and everything. The moaning of one of the injured victims was what really drove in the chill. After everyone went through, they brought in emergency vehicles, including a helicopter and a hearse and loaded people in accordingly. We all went in the gym for the assembly on the speech afterward. I've always worn a seatbelt. If the point of that mock scene was to scare me into wearing one, it certainly reinforced my habit. 